gonna stay up for this oh you must be out of your fucking mind thinking that no I'm not watching this piss off Ugh. not gonna miss much anyway we'll talk about it later one week later Award season's almost over. I think we're all happy about that. Welcome, listeners, to Podcast ONA, Award Show Roast Edition. Hello, everyone. Ironically enough, we are currently finalizing our own W Awards, because recording for that is going to be real soon, and then that'll come out next month. Sounds like a time and a half. That it does, but yeah, most everybody else has already got in there award shows done the good the bad and the ugly yeah uh, we got the oscars next and um don't throw us any curveballs uh chat you're trying to say something as i as i just think i hope for nothing but and everything everywhere all at once sweet for the oscars that's why i'm saying no curveballs we know how this shit works. I'm going to be honest, I almost welcome a curveball because I feel like... I don't know, from hearing some early comments about the Chris Rock special, I don't think he got hit hard enough. Yeah, I was going to really try my best not to make a who do you think is going to get hit at the Oscars this time joke, but you, you've, already, you've already put that out there, so... Look, the the knife is already on the table, and of the three of us, I am the most to call attention to the knife on the table, and will probably be the first to be stabbed with it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, definitely not great seeing uh, Chris Rock just uh, make a cloud of himself. So uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly he didn't get swiped hard enough. If anything, it's just clear. I don't think anybody really learned the actual lesson from this scenario. No, no. no. Uh, as I, uh, yeah, just a bunch of people clutching their pearls. They're like, oh, what if it was me up there? Uh, yeah, in fact, these have gotten progressively worse in the world of stand-up comedy, which, oh my god, like, a large part of stand-up died when George Carlin died. It's very sad. Outrage, outrage, outrage. Like, at, at least Bo Burnham transcended the medium with Inside. God, fucking Inside was so good. I, I, ho- I hope Bo's doing alright and having a good day. Yeah. Yeah, um... That was the thing that happened. Yes, the Oscars are coming up, and, um, again, just... I'm almost expecting... Bullshit to happen because I I don't I know how these people operate. As, 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 okay, look, the 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 episode is going to be uh, something in regards to who wins best animation. That's that's probably going to be what it is. Del Toro. Okay, okay, look, ideally it should be Del Toro or Puss in Boots. I'm okay with either one. 
But like, what I'll do, but like, I like Turning Red. I adore Turning Red. It is a very good movie, but like, Disney needs to take an L this year. If it goes yep. to Del Toro, fine. I like Turning Red a lot too, but it's also like, it's. We, like, Disney needs to be humbled a little bit. Especially if, you know, uh, if, if animation is going to be taken seriously. I mean, yeah, they got humbled a couple years ago when Spider Verse won. And, by the way, Mutant Mayhem is making it very clear what's been clear for a couple of years now. Spider-Verse is probably one of the most influential pieces of animation this decade. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's very good when mediums can, as I mentioned before, transcend out of their bounds. It's very fun. Like, even if the sequel isn't as good which is a very real possibility. I just want more movies that look like it. I also, I'm also going to be puppy-sitting uh, for like a week at my parents, and they have a Peacock login, and Puss in Boots is going to go up in two days, so now I finally can yep. watch it. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be up, so yeah. Uh, i definitely very curious to see what your thoughts on that will be. I'm I'm curious what number of Puss in Boot, like in the series of Puss in Boot movies, it is at this point. Uh, it is okay, it is technically only the second one. Only? Yeah. Is it, uh, is it, uh, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There are only two Puss in Boot movies. I I swear to God, I thought there was more. Nope. Don't feel bad. I honestly thought so too until like I'm looking it up and I was like, oh, oh, okay. This was only the second one. Was there a TV show? Oh, and a fun thing I actually learned uh, is that uh, listening to you, I think it was like a Frederator video or something. It's funny you. It's funny you brought up Del Toro because uh, apparently, like early on in Puss in Boots two in the Puss in Boots two production, uh, Del Toro was actually the one who pitched the premise. Uh, it all comes full circle. And and yes, Andrew, there was a uh, Netflix series for Puss in Boots. It lasted six seasons. Man, the DreamWorks Netflix stuff must have made a killing, because there's so much of it, and I've never heard of it. Yeah. Man, okay, oh, okay, by the way, sorry, I, I was just dawning on that for a second. Of course Guillermo del Toro brought up a premise about what if the cute kitty played by Antonio Banderas had to grip with the reality that death is approaching. That is such a fucking Del Toro thing. Yep. It is. Yeah, uh, that movie's gonna be up. Fuck, that's what Pinocchio was! I'm pretty sure that's a motif of his, too. I... I appreciate how it's like it's not he approaches death not like as like a nihilistic fatalistic thing but just kind of as this sort of like somber acceptance just a talented man mm-hmm. and then you he's very out there like that I will say Netflix should absolutely not use his own comments to promote their own service because <sighs> I literally saw that earlier today where the fucking Netflix account posted the billboard of animation is a medium and not just for kids, and one PK Kenzie posted, 
Netflix canceled the animated show I moved to LA to work on and had us laid off two months into working on it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a sordid state of affairs over there. And uh, just to round out this uh, introductory movie talk, I saw Creed 3 the other day. How was it? They did do the Naruto Sasuke uh, double punch, double down uh, thing in it. It was uh, very good. So was there was there a giant energy dome followed by baby versions of them holding hands? Well, th- there were flashbacks of them in their younger years, and Dodger Stadium did sort of get empty for a long period of time while they were fighting and doing the double-down pose, which was uh, very good. And uh, to some of you out there who noticed the... Admittedly, very sharp, honed-in, eagle-eye inconsistency with some of the posters in the opening scene. Yes, thank you for noticing that. I, I guess they couldn't find a, like a Gundam Wing and Tenshi Muyo poster to put in there. But again, it's a it's a very little thing. Wait, what? What inconsistency? What inconsistency? Uh, Opening scene set in 2002 has a loop on the third poster and apparently a Naruto Shippuden poster, which doesn't really fit. But it's a very small thing. It's not that yeah. big a deal. That is yeah. pretty funny, though. I'm not that I can. That is pretty funny, but I can definitely see that being one of those. Okay, somebody just grab somebody on set said grab a Naruto poster, and they're like, "Uh, this should work, right? That says Naruto." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like again, it's a very, it's a very small, minute thing that doesn't really matter much later on. But yeah, inconsistency is kind of inconsistent. It's still a good movie. It's a movie that, as I've said in the past, watch with your hearts, not with your brain. Cinema sins right now is creaming their pants because they uh, saw that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely curious to check that out. I was going to last weekend, but stuff came up, so I'll probably go see it this weekend. Yeah, it was good, though. I, I'm I'm a little more bothered with like how everything works in the boxing world because that's something I do know about. But I'll leave that at the door. That's not the place to talk about here. So um, we shall commence with our uh, sizable platter for you all on this fine weekend. We are done with movie po- we are done with movie talk for now, but I do have this giant bowl of popcorn in front of me. <laughs> I wonder why I have this giant uh. bowl of popcorn, why I have all these streamers ready to go, balloons ready to pop up from the ceiling. I wonder what why is that? Why why do you think that is, Alex? Well, the Crunchyroll Anime Awards happened. None of us watched it because it was on at 4.30 in the fucking morning over here. I, I think I woke up exactly as, like, they were about to announce, like, their last two awards. And I was like, wow, okay. Uh, yeah. And, well, there's, there's no fancy stuff. There's no fancy accoutrements to us talking about it. We will talk about it because, god damn it, this fucking company. But the actual reason we're going to start off, we're going to start off with a bang. Oh, yes, we are. Because uh, <laughs> um, normally when we talk about somebody passing, we do it in a very somber remembrance uh, type of feel. This time, however, it's a little bit different. Because guess what, everybody? 
El Cantare dropped dead. I'm going to quote a uh, a Green Day song for this one. Ha ha, you're dead. The joke is over. You were an asshole, and now you're gone. As your ship is going down, I'll stand by and watch you drown. Ha ha, you're dead, you're gonna be dead. Just remember what I said. Ha ha, you're dead. Ha ha, you're dead. Yeah, and, uh, if you're, uh, and uh, if you're wondering why we're uh, acting in this manner for those who are not in the new fancy who this person was, uh, this guy was a pretty... Uh, well-known cult leader. Yeah. Ryuho Okawa, the man behind the Happy Science Cult, who is uh, known for many things, namely um, bullshit medicinal tactics, advocating for repeal for a repealment of Article 9 of Japan's Constitution, Somebody who is apparently really good at seances with both the dead and the living. Oh, and also a complete fucking charlatan. Uh, 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 I'm also uh, pretty sure his own family ended up turning together at some point. Uh, Yes. I'm pretty sure there's someone. I think his son, I think specifically his son is estranged and has been basically putting shit online about how much of a fucking grift shitty cult it is. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure there's a certain somebody who can relate to that right now. Um, I will <laughs> say if any, if you want more specific details about Happy Science and especially their influence on the anime world, uh, you got two, two paths. One is a Mike Tools panel about cult anime and the one that's more specifically in depth about Okawa and Happy Science, Jeff Thu's amazing videos about all the Happy Science anime. Yeah, because this guy was also a bit of an, uh, how shall I put it, um, anime financier. Yeah. By putting his own fucking God Mod OC into everything. I mean,. If this, if you weren't a cult asshole piece of fucking huge human scum, I'd almost respect it. Yeah, uh, we, we're, we're not going to shed any tears. In fact, um, we're, we're going to take great reference in the fact that this asshole is no longer with us. And, and yes, I, 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 when I said he dropped dead, I mean it. He actually dropped dead. Look, sometimes there are some people out there that when their time finally comes, people will mourn. People will share stories of remembrance, reverence, and days long gone. And then there are people that are basically just counting the days to Henry Kissinger's heart fucking exploding. (laughs) Uh, There's a special place in hell reserved for him next to this guy and Margaret Thatcher and so many others. As long as Twitter cannot die before then. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm astounded that he's still I'm astounded that he's still alive. It's just how. <sighs> now I, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who's going to keep this cult grift going because that's just how cults operate. Unless... The man has a plan. He obviously yeah. had contingency plans in 
case of his <laughs> untimely death slash resurrection or whatever. Clearly, but uh, uh, to all the apparently 30-something thousand people who are involved with this cult, uh, look up Heaven's Gates. They did a really good job going out with a bang, in which um, uh, <laughs> it was all ceremonial suicide. Mm. <sighs> so, yeah. Uh, oh, I should also mention that uh, this happy science cult also has ties to uh, Japanese government. Yeah. Basically, basically, as a political party, which um, you can probably tell where their affiliations lie. Would would you would you believe me if I told you that this somehow also ties back into the dude who off Shinzo Abe? You know, I would believe you because the that unification guy- church, the unification church is. Uh, I don't know if this is true, if this is accurate or not, but I'm gonna go on a limb and say they're the number two in uh, this very seedy underbelly of government next to uh, these weirdos. I can believe it, honestly. <sighs> yeah, check that. So yeah, fare thee well, El Cantare. To quote uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More, surprise. You're dead! Eat shit, go fuck yourself. Guess what? It never ends! Rip and piss. Rip and piss. Alrighty. Uh, we, need, we need more assholes to die, and uh, before any of you out there going, are you all really so cold as to celebrate a man's death? Normally no, but in this case, yes. Yes, we are. Look, there's a couple of t- people where it's just like, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to piss on their grave or anything because there are people who will, can, shall, and will continue to mourn them and the life they lived. It's basically, don't speak ill of the dead, don't be an asshole while you're alive. Yep, pretty much that. And to you, El Cantare, you've earned full, you've earned all of this. Eat shit. Rip in hell. Mm-hmm. Bye, bitch. And save a seat for Henry Kissinger. Oh, God. Like, I want to... to the day that happens is just the day... How fucking old is that man? He must be in, like, late 90s. All right. So, as we have uh, demonstrated just how uh, shallow we can be to assholes, we shall move on to actual uh, discussions of business. How is he 90 fucking nine years old? You know what they say, assholes live forever. All right, look, all we just need is Betty White's ghost with the steel chair to come and get it so she's still <laughs> older than Henry Kissinger. Oh, my God, okay. That, okay, we will move on to actual um, topics of business, starting with an de- interesting deal from High Dive. They're putting that AMC money to good to uh, very good use, and I just gotta mention this because it kind of blows my mind. I did not know that the interim chairman of AMC Networks, the company who owns Sentai and High Dive, is the same guy who owns the New York Knicks, James Dolan. You learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah, and uh, oh, look at this. His wife is the new CEO of AMC Networks. 
Good old nepotism at work once again. Hey. Uh, so, um, let, yeah, let, I, let's, I, let's please move on. To- I, all I'm going to say is, I want James Dolan as far away from Sentai as possible. But anyway, uh, AMC Networks put out a pretty big uh, piece to Variety that Sentai has reached a deal with the Mainichi Broadcasting System from Japan, which will provide them exclusive rights to their anime titles to High Dive. So this is actually a pretty notable and sizable power play on the part of High Dive and Sentai. Though admittedly, this one's not particularly surprising for a very specific reason. Giant Beasts of R's was their first co-production. And that was between High Dive and the Manichi Broadcast System. Station or whatever. So yeah, this seems like the kind of thing that's been brewing for a while. And this is notable. Notably because MBS, like, one of the big things they have is the Animeism Programming Block. Which is definitely kind of a big deal. Like, definitely a a big notable block. This was originally a block that was, like... Remember, like, five years ago when, like, Amazon was buying up exclusivity rights to specific programming blocks? Animeism was one of them, alongside Noitamata. So, MBS, like, one of the big things they air anime on is Animeism. So, it is very likely and very probable that this could give them first dibs or the 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 wording of this is so legalese and like non-committal that it's like it's hard to say if this is aggressively exclusive for every single thing that MBS airs I'm gonna take a stab and assume no if only because uh, there were probably some sequels uh, other companies yeah, are yeah there, there are some titles that are uh, I'll just say in contractual lockup with other companies, <coughs> uh, like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and Rent a Girlfriend, those are the most immediate ones because those are within the next like six months. So it's very possible. Oh, fuck. Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury Part yeah. 2 is next month. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna assume the need to go block. Uh, because that's what those who are on specifically is probably off limits. Certainly a possibility, but more or less, MBS is a big station, and there is definitely this is a potentially big and notable deal. They also specifically mention like Giant Beasts of R's. We know was a co-production. They mentioned uh, Endo and Kobayashi Live, the la- latest on Sundere Villainess Lisa Lot retroactively also was kind of part of this deal because that was also an MBS thing and also a show on animeism as well. So this is because like assuming this is like animeism and non-sequels, like even for new IPs, that's definitely a big get. So keep an eye out if high dive licenses uh the Cafe Terrace and its goddesses, Magical Girl Destroyers, 
otaku elf and the masterful cat is depressed again today aka holy shit somebody gave gohan's work but they did confirm one other title in the summer already everything else that they have licensed is kind of going to be on a we will reveal later but they did reveal one other title that will be airing in the summer the most heretical last boss queen from villainous to savior is one of is the first notable thing that they're announcing from this new partnership exclusivity deal with high dive and mbs and that will air in july 2023 so so right now this is like there's not a whole lot of like meat to really sink into but this is definitely one of the biggest partnerships and like investments high dive has made in the post amc buyout era so that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in the coming year. And I'm kind of in, I'm kind of intrigued. Like look. We talk shit about Crunchyroll. We talk shit about honestly we talk shit about all the companies at this point. Let's be fucking real. Stuff like this fluctuates the status quo makes me happy. Because I've been keeping track of this fucking licensing game for so long now. It If it was just Crunchyroll. Because like Crunchyroll's already got so fucking much already. Yeah. L- let's shake it up a little bit. Even the ones that I want Crunchyroll to get. Some of them are probably going to go to High Dive and other companies too. I almost welcome the chaotic shakeups. Because at this point... Mm-hmm. You could be bombed and like look, if so if they get something that I wanted like Crunchyroll to get, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be like, oh, that's a bummer. Moving on. Cause I know how this game's played. I know how this sausage is made. Allegedly. I'm gonna say allegedly, because I'm kinda talking out my butt realistically, but I at least know the licensing game is always interesting, and this is a very very interesting shakeup. One that could have some very real dividends for High Dive and Sentai if they play their cards right. So good on them. Mm-hmm. It's a big money deal because they, they kind of need big money deals. So uh, yeah, this is good. Give Sentai stuff and maybe put some of that stuff on TV, you know? My one last thing I'm going to say on this story is when I was talking about this with people on Discord, a lot of people were freaking out at the prospect of High Dive stealing Jujutsu Kaisen for like five, ten minutes, and literally nobody brought up the possibility of like High Dive poaching Rent-A-Girlfriend. Like, they didn't care. <laughs> and I thought that was... I uh, thought that was very funny, that they were definitely afraid about Jujutsu Kaisen getting sh- shaken up, and, like, people literally just forgot about Rent-A-Girlfriend, and that was funny. Yeah, to me. Uh, yeah that is getting a third season in the summer, because people love garbage. Uh, okay, well, they just need to get to the rest of the, the pool scene, and then that's it. So yeah, um, good on you, High Dive. Get 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 that uh, get that bag, and maybe put, maybe share that bag with CV. But uh, we shall carry on. 
was a pair of announcements from Crunchyroll that um, somebody must be into. Because Crunchyroll announced something truly innovative. Something truly beyond our comprehension. Crunchyroll announced they have a button on brand new Sony Bravia TVs coming out this year. Um, good for fucking woo. Good for them, I guess. So, Alex, you when you saw this news break out, you were especially um, how would I, how would I describe this um prickly about this. Would you like to share with the class why specifically you're particularly prickly about this one? Sure. Number one, this did not need a variety write-up. It, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Number two, can you please focus on making your app work across the board on everything? Not to mention the fact that uh, a lot of smart TVs are very slow. They track your data. And sometimes they break. Same with a lot of these little streaming dongles that you plug into your TV. Number three, this is going to be on new TVs coming out this year, which are expensive. They haven't listed prices, but I can tell you, these are the fancy TVs. Those cost a lot of money. Like ground floor, about 2500 bucks. Jesus. Yeah, and lastly, why is this a thing that needs to be sold to people? This, above all, Everything else is just a very unnecessary corporate layer that nobody asked for. Because, yes, this is a Sony company. We know. We get it. We don't need to be reminded of it. Because that reminds us of all the problems this company has right now. Mostly due in part to the Sony acquisition. Hi, I'm going to play the part of one Carl Crunchyroll for the sake of this conversation. Thank you for your concerns. Thank you for your feedback. Um, we have heard your statements. We have heard your complaints, reservations, and genuine concerns about the direction our company is heading and things we could or haven't been doing in regards to developments in the recent months. We have heard your feedback. We have seen that feedback. We have proceeded to shove it into a shredder shove it into our mouth, goop it all up around, make it into a giant spitball, and shoot it out the fucking window. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Notice me! No! Crunchyroll also announced another thing in partnership with Sony. Yes, because... Yeah, because thanks to a partnership with Sony Music Entertainment, there are now going to be music videos and full-length concerts on Crunchyroll because somebody was asking for that, I guess. Conceptually, this is a neat little thing. Like, it, like this doesn't hurt, but it's just like, okay, that's kind of neat because sometimes... YouTube, like, here's, I, I know you mentioned this is stuff you could just find on YouTube anyways. Not really, because YouTube likes to fuck around with music copyright, 
even to the legal companies. And Aniplex is very finicky about which ones we are allowed to see. <sighs> so I think in conceptualization, this is pretty cool, and this is pretty neat. So I'm giving that the benefit of the doubt. My, my one gripe with this, it's very insular. It's basically Sony only. There are a lot of other labels out there, is what I'm trying to say. If there are other labels that they make deals with in the future because of this, then this criticism will no longer be valid. But as of right now, yes, it can seem a little self-wankery. Which is not helped by the fact that this was the only news to come out of the Crunchyroll Awards. So, like, say what you will about the Game Awards, they have at least realized what keeps the retention going is all the new announcements and things during the awards that are at least worth talking, like, the day of or during. And the only new thing they announced outside of the awards was that we're streaming Sony music videos now. If they can sign a deal with Avex, they don't know what's legitimate. Other than that, yeah, this is just another insular corporate integration that nobody was really asking for. It like I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's just very much yeah, it, it's it's cool to have. Nobody was really asking for this in specific detail, but sure, if you want to listen to concerts from Lisa or Hiroyuki Sawano or Aimer or whoever. Then- or if you want to see a hologram concert from that one bitch from fucking... Uh- and I know it's egoist, so not that bitch, but it's like, I literally see a character from Guilty Ground used in this minute trailer. Guilty Crown, one of the shows to survive the Aniplex take back for some fucking reason. I don't know. Uh, I remember Guilty Crown. It is kind of the show single-handedly responsible for... Uh, Messing with the no top of a block, and also uh, responsible for making me learn that a very important lesson about, you know, sometimes if a soft list is too good to be true, it is. Can somebody check to see if Guilty Crown is on Crunchyroll right now? Because my my fucking Google Chrome is shitting the bed on me hard. It should be, but let me check. Okay. Uh, yes, it is. Oh, f- why yeah. was that the show to survive the Anaplex takebacks? Like of all of them, why Guilty Crown? Couldn't tell you. Uh, well, yeah, good on your Crunchyroll for getting a smart TV button in concerts. Apparently, that doesn't go out to other. People like the people from Tsunami who are probably getting just as sick and tired of you locking them out of content as we are. So this particular one, I have a theory as of why this one even worked out, and it's a lot simpler than you think it is. Yeah, so um, the content drought is still ongoing, thanks in large part to certain entities. 
It's sort of a t- it's sort of like a two front war on that end. Yeah, we have something new confirmed though. Uh, starting next weekend, next Saturday, season five of Food Wars. It's good that they were able to work out something with Crunchyroll, is what I would say. And then I remember that the dub of Food Wars Season 5 is streaming exclusively on HBO Max. Did you know that Food Wars Season 5's dub is streaming exclusively on HBO Max, while Season 4 is only streaming on Crunchyroll, and I don't even know where the other three seasons are streaming anymore? Uh, I mean, on the one hand, it is cool that Tanabi was able to get something. On the other hand, it's Food Wars Season 5. It really is, like, to say, I I know it seems ironic to say this, but it's true. This is, this one is digging for scraps. This, like, for, for people who don't understand, we mean it when we say you could actually have stopped at Food War Season 4. Season 5 is actual hot garbage. Yeah, I think we've gone over that several times in the past. (sighs) <sighs> Happy 26th birthday, Tsunami. You're getting screwed over by everybody because people with brains smaller than their wallets think otherwise. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, quote-unquote heart garbage, Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapter's special one. <sighs> what a fucking title. Uh, yep, yeah, that that happens. Um, the second part of the third part of the fourth season is coming in the fall, and and yeah. and, and to quote an episode from Bobo, Bo, just because I think it's a funny way to describe this. Finally, the final fight of finality. This time, we beat it. <laughs> that, was a, that was a real Bobo Bo episode yeah. title. I believe you. That sounds exactly like something Bobo would say and do. And yeah. Anyways, I'm going to assume if March was when Special 1 aired, I'm going to guess September is when we're going to get Special 2, which that means the clock is going to start on when we can finally, fucking finally, have the conversation surrounding yeah. The end of Attack on Titan. We've been planning this for two years. It's finally going to happen later this year. Hopefully. Christ. Because there's a lot to get to. Anyways, on that topic, Food Wars Season 5. Watch it, I guess. Uh... Glad they got something new, at least, but it's definitely a... Uh... They are doing their best right now. It doesn't help when, like, the one big company is saying no to everything just because it's rough out there. It sucks. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, I do want to uh, take a. I do kind of want to stop for a second because a bit of uh, well, not uh, necessarily breaking news, but something interesting just got posted by uh, business account. Uh, the rumors were indeed true. The Boruto anime is indeed going on a hiatus. The what? Uh, the Boruto anime. Boruto is going on break. Yeah. Really? Yep, uh, literally just posted from Viz's account. Part 1 finale airs Sunday, 
March 2026. That is... Wow. So that's... So Boruto has been airing consecutively almost 300 episodes. Six years. Wow. So they're just straight up like... I've been hearing some rumors about production about that one's been not going not too hot. Am I am I correct in that? You're very correct. So like, wow. Yep. The, that's like like I know like One Piece was going on a break for a couple of weeks, but that's like a very big indefinite break. That's yeah. That that's a wild development. As for when the fuck Borto's getting back or what's going to be airing in its place, I got no goddamn clue. Yeah. That is pretty wild, though. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that is uh, interesting. Hopefully, uh, when they come back, they'll do less time travel stories, which I, I think. Nobody wants to uh, uh, I mean, uh, all that stuff. I mean, the time. Uh, uh, okay, I mean, it depends on which time travel story you're talking about. Because more than one. No more dinosaurs. This isn't Dragon Okay, Ball. the dinosaur one was stupid. The one where uh, Ado Morto went back to Naruto Sato, that one was actually like pretty okay. I like the fact that there has been more than one time travel plot line in Boruto, is the wild thing here. Mm. Well, that's going to be interesting. We'll see how that situation plays out. But, uh, well, we might not be waiting long, depending on your point of view, for what they're going to do later, because we've got word that there will be four new episodes of, as says here on Anime News Network, the original Naruto anime for its 20th anniversary, which will be coming in September after select episodes rerun on TV in Japan in July. No idea what this will mean for the future of Boruto, but uh, yeah, I think the people at Perot just really want a break right now because there are only so many stories about dinosaurs you can do before you lose your mind. And everything starts to melt. Seriously, this show's been airing for six years. The era of the long-running shonen anime without breaks is over, guys. Well, you know, except One Piece and Detective Conan, which are the only ones who can maintain some kind of consistency anyway. But, um, yeah, my two cents is, if this comes back as like a, like a, like a seasonal thing, you know, where it takes breaks every, you know, three or six months. I don't think that would be too bad of an idea. But, um, yeah, Naruto, 28 years of the anime uh, as of well, last year. So I guess they're a little behind on that, too. It doesn't surprise me, though. It doesn't surprise me. We haven't heard anything about Stars Align for a while, but, um... Well, Kazuki Akane gave us, gave us some unfortunate, not good news. He said that there really isn't a plan for a new anime production for Stars Align, but this is according to him. He is currently writing a new revision 
of the plot for what would have been the anime's succeeding episodes, especially episode 13. He also added that his health has not been in the best state in the past two years, so he has not been able to work on the story that much. He also highlighted that there has been much interest from overseas fans, aka us, in the continuation for the anime. And that's kind of all we know right now. Yeah, this this story is just, it's a, it's a really sad story, man. I, a fucking crunchy roll. Guess what, motherfuckers? Guess what you have been doing and can do and actually in good in yourself to a couple of people that are kind of burned out by all your fucking projects, all your bullshit, all that jazz. The ball is so in your court right now. Even if this one isn't going to make you a shit ton of money, you think most of your co-productions are at this point? Uh, well, I wasn't going to immediately go there, but uh, yeah, Crunchyroll. Uh, you, you, come on, you can throw us at least one ball this time. Like, motherfucker. It's so easy. It's such an easy win that actually will win you some fucking fans. Uh, th- this whole thing is a fucking bummer. It it really, really is a fucking bummer. I I still want to. I I still believe in his ability to at least get the continuation of the story out there. But man, fucking. Yeah, uh, it, the lesson of the day is. Uh... Productive committee suck, and they continue yeah. to suck. Did, was it? I I saw it going around that there was something about the production committees from like one of the founders of Gainax. Oh, oh yeah, there was, yeah there was a that, yeah there was a video about it I watched the other day. That guy isn't like the most uh, credible person, but the video was pretty good. I, 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 learned, I learned a pretty decent about about. Uh, the nature of why of uh, why uh, uh committees are kind of adding the way they do in regards to hoarding money and uh, lots of collusion that is uh, keeping stuff the way it is. So uh, that's great. Yeah, the whole production committee thing is kind of like they could, despite the fact that there's more projects at being produced all the time, none of that trickles down. Uh, yeah, and also, uh, instead of, you know, uh, taking any uh, sizable investments they get and using that to, you know, give projects bigger budgets, they just use that to fund more stuff. Cool, 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 cool. <sighs> we love anime, but it sucks. Big companies stink, is what we're trying to say. Controversial opinion. Late-stage capitalism kind of sucks a big, fat dong. It's almost like big companies make the worst crap or something. What will those podcast O&A boys say next? (laughs) Tune in to find out. Oh, God. Okay. Well... We haven't done this in a while. It's time to dust off this old MP3 file. It's time to take a dive back into the weird, wild, and wacky world of lost media. So this one's kind of fucking cool, actually. Yeah, so, um, something you might recall many, many years ago, almost 10 years ago, actually. 
Evangelion 3.33, the third of the four uh, rebuild of Evangelion films, made its way over over here with a uh, theatrical dub that premiered at a convention and was supposed to uh, play in theaters across the country. Never, never played over here, which, uh, yeah, I'm still bummed about that. And there was a, a bit of a kerfuffle during said uh, convention screening when a representative of Studio Kara was in attendance and took notice of... Now, uh, I gotta, gotta stop you uh, there, because uh, that story's been going around, but apparently no one's ever actually been able to approve it. And- okay, so we'll, 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 we'll hearken it to being... Uh, an old rumor yeah. that has been circulating for almost 10 years. The The gist of this is that this is kind of one of those weirdly mythical, strange stories that is just associated with everything Evangelion at this point. Yeah, it's just ballooned and ballooned and ballooned. And the story goes, the story goes that the English dub produced by Funimation was changed Per the insistence of Studio Kara, because apparently there were some giggles and laughs between this in the scenes between uh, Shinji and Kaoru. Allegedly. That's how the story goes. And that's how the story went. For all this time, until just recently, when an individual known as Zinbuster bought a used screener DVD of this movie with it, the original English dub, and uploaded it for all of us to hear. As it turns out, uh, that story about why the dub was redone, yeah, we can put rumor killer right over it. The real reason is actually a lot stupider. Oh, yeah? We're talking insane levels of micromanagement to make it basically just as exact as the original Japanese script, just in English. Cartoon Cypher did a, a Google Doc of all the changes between uh, the dubs from the theatrical run and the home video release that came out in 2016. There's a lot. It's not like I really want to be on the bridge during battle, though. Talk about nerve-wracking. All anti-air systems. Wow, to be here on the bridge during a battle alert? There's a lot, but I, I remember, I'm going to credit one of my friends who said this, in that this reeks a lot of a producer trying to justify his credit. Yeah, but as it, yeah, at least from what I observed, and like, I didn't read the doc, but at least from like, the clips I was seeing, Cartoon Cypher putting around, like, there honestly wasn't that much difference between what Spudimation did in the final car script. There really isn't. Like, some of it is bordering on insanity that this was, like, such a minutia 
change. I think one of the most insane things that was brought to my attention was something that Abby, Abby from Cartoon Cypher, who has been the guy tracking all this stuff, basically posted the same scene in the theatrical Funimation dub, the home video Funimation dub, and the prime video redub of the film. The theatrical Funimation dub, I'm the first angel, but I've fallen and become the 13th angel. From Kaoru Nagisa. The home video Funimation dub, I'm the first angel, but I've been defeated by the 13th angel. And the Prime Video redub is the same fucking line as the original Funimation theatrical dub. All of these changes are bordering on actual insanity, micromanaging, nitpicky bullshit. Yeah, it is, um... It's kind of stupid. It's so stupid, but this aligns with everything I have been hearing about how hyper-controlling Studio Kara has been for, like, almost a decade now. Yeah, so now I'm wondering if it was even less Kara was mad about Funimation about literally anything with more just Kara wanted to go Bible now. They they wanted to have more say and control. Like, this literally, this feels like a new producer coming onto a project and wanting to feel more important than they were, so they're like, change it, change it, change it, change it, change it. What is there to change? Change it more to seem more important and influential. It's it's so f- it, it it's insanity. And then I very vividly remember the story of Ray Chase as uh, Gendo Ikari in the Netflix dub of Evangelion, telling me. He was asked to say a single line of dialogue and recorded it 30 fucking times. Yep, that seems par for the course for Evangelion. Truly, just actual crazy people are in charge of this IP. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad uh, he's doing whatever the hell he wants to now, which is basically all the Super Sentai stuff he wants. Yeah, and thankfully Kara is moving on to do other things, like uh, working with Production IG for Kaiju Number 8. God, I still can't fucking believe that they're doing Kaiju Number 8. That's that's still <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you want to check out the full Evangelion 3.33 uh, theatrical Funimation dub, I'm, I'm I'm sure you can still find that mega link somewhere. It's yeah, no, it's out there, and you can see a bunch of comparisons. It's it's actually pretty neat stuff, even if it is very micromanaged and uh, just borderline insanity. Oh, we we've established that at this point, this is all so stupid, but it's fascinating to see. Oh god, yeah, but uh, yeah, there are more dub stuff to uh, talk about here. So, the Digimon fan meetup event happened last month, and during said event, we, we got some kind of confirmation that Digimon Adventure 2020 will be premiering its English dub sometime this spring. Where, when, how, and who to be determined. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, uh, I've already made my feelings on 2020 itself pretty clear, but uh, uh, but I made a Twitter thread on this the other day. But I am, but the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of fascinated about the dub itself because uh, we're kind of into it because this is the first time in a decent while Toei is dubbing one of their own kids' properties. So I am kind of curious how it's going to pan out. I mean, like, yeah, there's, you know, like, World Trigger and Die, but those are still show-to-jump things, meaning, you know, you can still pattern that to anime fans to some degree. This, on the other hand, is, like, explicitly a kid's show, so I'm uh, very curious how they're going to dub it. I'm I'm I just want to know who's in it because we've always we've already established this is a clean slate cast. We know Zeno Robinson is Ty and Ben Diskin is Agumon. Yep. Uh-huh. So we also know it's a union project too, which is, is in itself also pretty interesting. <sighs> yep, so um Jet, you're the one with the most most emotional attachments to this franchise. You're going to have to check this out for us when, whenever and wherever it drops. I just hope you can stream it and they're not going to ask you to buy it off of Microsoft Store or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all, I say, all I can say is that I hope we... I can say that I'm glad it's finally happening. Hopefully they give it to them up just next. Here's hoping. Yep. All right, and we also got word that finally it took a little it took a little bit uh, more time for it to come out, but finally the new Urusiasa anime has its English dub up on High Dive right now. Yay! Glad it's finally out. Yeah, and they're running new episodes weekly. So, uh, yeah, and to any of you out there who are apparently bummed that they're not doing any, you know, British voice acting thing. I don't think you all understand the context of where that clip comes from. It was a sketch comedy bit on a variety show that aired on British TV in 2000. It's not a real thing. By the way, I also need to give a shout out to Falero because I honest to God saw people thinking that was legit. <laughs> Uh, like I, I'm truly impressed. Like just guys on like my own server being like, okay, I saw a clip going around. Was that like a real clip from the dub? And I'm like, okay, okay, is this the clip you're talking about? And I posted the Flaro one. It's like, oh yeah, that's the exact one. It's like that is a British guy who did like abridged videos who got a bunch of his British friends to do a bit for Twitter for like two minutes. And it was convincing enough to make people think it was legit, which is, you know what? Proud of you, proud of you, Flaro. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get around to watching the second episode today, I bet you, but I did watch the first episode of the dub last week. Um, yeah, um, I like what I've heard for the most part. Uh, sorry, uh, so, uh, we do have a cast for this. Uh, mm-hmm. Admittedly, uh, names were not too familiar with some newer names as loom we have uh jade kelly who some of you might have heard as akira asai in call of the night and some of you out there know as Ashida in the third girls in ponser das finale movie the one i'm more familiar with is the actor playing ataru yep nathan wilson some of you know as i'm gonna try and list this out properly Suit soon in Real Girl, 
Aishi Sukasa in Food Wars, seasons three, four, and five. He is the first seat in Food Wars, so definitely. And Hyorogari slash Skell in The Eminence in Shadow. I also know he's... Oh, is he one of the twins? Yes, he's one of the twins in Run With The Wind. He's Joji. Uh, I liked him in in that, too. Okay. Yeah, no, good good pick for that. And a couple other names which are not too surprising for Funimation 1. Not too surprising for Sentai dubs. But Brianna Roberts as Sakura, you know what? I think this is her first Sentai thing, so, you know, so... Good for her. Good for her. And shout out to the dub director, Shannon Reed. Yeah, but yeah, but I thought the first episode sounded pretty solid. Not as I, uh, I need to hear a little more of James Kelly's lines. You get a solid opinion on it. But I like Nathan Wolf and his author a lot. I thought it was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I will say uh, one very uh, interesting thing of note that uh, I actually went back to check it earlier today and I've got it. And uh, it apparently is the one thing which is shocking. Because uh, uh, most, okay, okay, well, not even most, pretty much every Sentai dub has, uh, tends, to have the, tends to have dub credits on the end of every episode. That's just the thing they do. But for some reason, this dub does not. Okay, then. That's very odd, but makes a little more sense. On the context that, yeah, this series is particularly a little weird. It also dawned on me that this is uh, the first full Rumiko Takahashi anime series that has no dub contributions from, from Canada. Like, at all. Yeah, that is a little weird to think about. Like, every every other main show? Well, Viz Hats, and they them in Canada, so here, nope, just Houston. I mean, I was about to say, oh, wait, no, like, the old Uruzi Hasra dub was, uh, was uh, in New York, and, uh, oh, we... Oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean TV series, not movies. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, it would have been funny if they could have gotten Wave Grayson somewhere in here, but I guess that wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, as far as, like... The production as to why there's no dub credits. Uh, take your pick on who to blame. Anaplex, Dentsu, Fuji TV, Shigaku-Kan, Shigaku-Kan Shueisha, someone else. The dub is out, so that's... I'm just gonna say, hey, that's cool. Yeah, so cool. And yeah, new episodes weekly every Wednesday, so there you go. And so we move on to another dub that just came out of nowhere. So this one has a bit more of an interesting backstory. So... Uh, we know that Mononoke, the 2007 uh, anime series, is coming out on Blu-ray from uh, Discotech. And part of the appeal of this release is that there's a, mi- there's a mysterious English dub that nobody could find credits for. And then Netflix shows up, puts the show up on uh, their platform at the start of the month, and includes the English dub. So, it's pretty clear to me that what is on Netflix right now is what the discotheque release is going to be. Apparently, the mystery has been solved, and we have here uh, two shots of the English subcast uh, taken from, oh, from me. How about that? So, uh, we can thank Omni Productions for the English sub. They are a company based out of... Hong Kong. 
Hong Kong, who did uh, a couple Animax dubs, and apparently Transformers Headmasters. Cool. And we have a cast list whom I have no idea who any of these people are. So, I can tell you one of the names in this cast, and I think that's the contact with which Justin Savakis was able to recognize. So, one of the names in this cast is a actor named Michael C. Pizzuto. He was based out of Hong Kong for a number of years, and recently, within the past couple of years, has actually been living and working in Los Angeles. Notable because he's actually popped up in a couple of L.A. Netflix dubs over the past couple of years. Most notably as, like, Professor Meisel in Spriggan, Butler in Super Crooks, and Hideki Nogi in Kengen Ashura. So he's actually living and working in L.A. now. But at the time the Mononoke dub was recorded, he was still working in Hong Kong and was in the cast. It would not surprise me if this was the person that uh, Savakis was able to recognize, because out of everybody else here, he actually has a presence in the L.A. English dubbing spear instead of just the Animax dubbing spear. Interesting. But if you're curious about a couple of other works he's done, he's uh, the Viral in the Animax Gurren Lagan dub. Um, I think he's the Dad in the Animax Shinchan dub, uh, just to name a couple. So, yeah, the mystery solved, and you can watch this with its long lost English dub on Netflix. That's cool. My biggest surprise is not the fact that this is a Hong Kong dub and the fact that we have a cast list. My biggest surprise is that this was on Netflix before the fucking discotheque release. Yeah, Netflix kind of scooped them with it, which is very weird. That is a very strange happenstance. When the fuck does Netflix scoop discotheque? So, um, there you go. But we're not done talking about Mononoke quite yet, because there's going to be a new Mononoke film, as this leads us into our next section of the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, produced at Twin Engine. But apparently there's going to be a delay. Mostly due in parts, or I will say partially due in parts, to um, an incident revolving one Takahiro Sakurai. I actually think the reason they dropped him is very interesting and a little more direct than you would usually assume a company would boldly say. You you would just assume, okay, everybody else is dropping Sakurai. They're dropping him for the same reasons. But no, they made a statement. Yeah, the statement reads as follows, quote, the animated film Mononoke sets in Uku, historically the women's quarters of Edo Castle, and tries to depict the suffering and remedy of women. Judging from the standpoint of the story, we decided to change the cast of the medicine seller. What that means, what that directly is saying, 
is that this is a film targeted towards a female demographic and is about the strength, power, and like emboldening emboldment of women characters and people like female people. What am I saying? I am rambling. I almost said female people like it was a fucking incel. Ugh. Um, But basically, it is a film and a story and saga about female empowerment. And basically, like, power, like, it is about stake. What is it? What about what's the word I'm looking for? Female stakes. It is about women for women and having the main character of that story starring a man who two-timed and used women is extremely tone-deaf. Yeah, um, for anyone who doesn't know what's going on with this guy... Uh, back in October, the weekly Bunshun reported that uh, Sakurai had been engaged in an extramarital perf- affair with a writer for his uh, P.S. Genkidesu Takahiro travel radio show for at least 10 years. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it also... I think I have to know what's up, but I think it also came out there was apparently another woman he was with. So, uh... uh yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so he's just been getting uh, canned left and right because, uh, well, you, you know how it goes, and you, you know how it goes with uh, the entertainment industry. You can peddle as much illegal paraphernalia as you want, but you better not cheat on your spouse. Yeah, uh, I I'm mostly just shocked that there was an actual comment. And a very direct comment, which was basically them just straight up saying, this is a movie about female empowerment and having it star a guy who used women as the main character is unbelievably tone deaf. Yeah, so um, this movie's going to be pushed back a bit as they uh, find somebody who is uh, much more upstanding to fit the role. Still wild, wild, wild. Yep. Oh, what a tangled web we weave, but uh, we shall move on to happier subjects. We now know that the Shy anime will be broadcasting this year, produced at uh, 8-bits, and that's all we know. I like the trailer I saw. I've heard nothing but great things about the shy manga i bought the first volume still have yet to read it and i'm a big fan of the director who's working on this and i'm excited to see him uh do this series in particular so yeah i'm excited definitely want to check it out can't wait for it to air i'm gonna guess fall most likely seems like a good, like a good guess also set for fall it's something that we talked about a while ago, a project for Netflix, the new Akuma-kun series. Oh yeah, this thing. So this is the same author as Gigigi no Kitaro, but this is not Gigigi no Kitaro. Am I correct? Yeah, you are uh, correct. Yeah, this is another uh, classic. 
Malgaverbib, I believe. Okay. With Junichi Sato at the helm as chief director. Okay. He did, he did a lot of work for Sailor Moon, so uh, it's interesting. So definitely no stranger to Toei. Yeah. Apparently he also did the previous TV series and its films back in uh, 1989. Oh, wow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that'll be coming out worldwide on Netflix in the fall. Excellent. And in the summer, I don't know what to say. The vending machine isekai is is a little is a legitimate thing. It's coming in the summer. It's being produced at Studio Gokumi and Axes, which are names that mean something to some of you out there. I've I've recognized this pair of studio on a couple of anime. They they do decent stuff, which is decent stuff is about what I would expect from a isekai with this absurd a premise. Where it's like, okay, this one is just so dumb that it has to at least be funny and entertaining, right? Hopefully. And from what I'm told, it actually is funny and entertaining. It was also very funny to see a bunch of voice actors excited about this one. Not because I think they were fans of the source materials, but they took one look at the fucking vending machine and it was like, the perfect role. No lip flaps. <laughs> <laughs> It it looks funny. It looks cute. Crunchyroll's already confirmed it. Wouldn't surprise me if this is is another co-production. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me either. um... All I will then in turn say is, alright, if you're gonna greenlit and fund the vending machine isekai, stars fucking align, motherfucker. Uh Uh-huh. Lay off the instant noodles and give us some steak. Well, let's talk about something that I think is going to feed us all very well. Yeah, this came out um, the day before we were talking about, uh, we were doing the show, the night before, actually. Coming in the fall, Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. We got a visual, a preview video, a cast list, and a staff list, and we know who's going to be directing this and where. Produced at Madhouse, directed by Keichiro Saito, who did a little-known show from a couple months ago called uh, Bochi the Rock. So, yeah. yeah um... Bo- Bo- safe to say, Bochi definitely put that director on the map, and he did fantastic work on Bochi. I actually want to give a shout-out to other work he has done at Studio Madhouse, actually. Specifically, he was an episode director for Sunny Boy. Specifically, the director for Episode 3 and Episode 8. Episode 8 genuinely being the one I consider the best in the whole show. Oh, uh, he also did some stuff on Boogie Pop and others. So, uh, yeah, that's a good... So, yeah, that's so a good he, He's obviously probably got more association at this point with Studio Madhouse than he actually does with Cloverworks, so it's kind of amazing he did make a big fucking splash with Bochi. So yeah, uh, the character designer is the same one that did Takop Destiny, which was Madhouse and Mappa, but Episode 1 was all Madhouse. And Yvonne Call is doing the music, who's done stuff like Violet Evergarden and Josie the Tiger and the Fish. I will say, 
first impressions from this visual, from this minute-long teaser, I think this is a very good team working on this. And I think immediately they have a good vibe of the tone and the aesthetic for Freeburn. Already promising. Yeah, this yeah, this seems like a very good team. I really as I uh really hope they will knock this one out of the park. And I as I and I hope they and uh, hopefully they're given, you know, the time and resources to make this good and also given the and also give the opportunity to pace it appropriately because that's gonna make or break this show personally. Would you like to elaborate on that? Because I know we were talking about that earlier, but I was curious what specifically about the pacing are you concerned about? Uh, so I've visited this on Discord because uh, I've actually been uh, buying Fizz's uh, uh, volume releases when he's new when it comes out. And uh, the thing that's interesting about Freyrin is that it is a very uh, methodical, kind of slow-paced story. It's like, uh, it's like, like, like there is a very clear end goal, and there is like a progression towards that, but it happens very slowly. And in the meantime, there's a lot of there's a lot of one of, there's a lot of one-off chapters where uh, characters will usually like learn some sort of lesson about like you know the meaning of life or the past of time or some such things. And while there are like some story arcs, they're usually far in between. Maybe like every couple of volumes. I mean, like uh, the one I just finished was like basically the equivalent of the author's exam, and uh, none of them are really like particularly big or bombastic. So. Uh, in many ways, it's kind of like the anti-seasonal anime. So, uh, definitely very curious how they're going to try and face that. So, yeah, this will be very interesting in the modern landscape, but honestly, I'm... Yeah, first impressions are strong. I think this one is in very good hands. And we know this is coming in the fall, which is kind of what I thought was going to be the best case mm-hmm. scenario. This is exciting. Very, very good. Yeah, we got that coming up. And all right, now we get to the awards section of the show. But before we get to uh, the obvious ones, we like to take a little bit of time to focus on a pair of lesser-known uh, quote-unquote award shows who have a different vibe to them. We're going to start with the Anime Trending Awards, which is just meant to be a little fun thing. And um, two words, y'all. Bochi Sweep! So, yeah, people really like Bochi the fucking rock. Yes, they do, because it's very good. And Bochi is the best uh, little anxiety gremlin around. Honestly, fall was just a good season for anxiety gremlins. I love, I love all of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, there are quite a lot of awards here. Just you know, that's a fun thing. Um, may as well go over them. We're gonna go from the bottom up. So let's just get started. Let's start this section on a positive note instead of diving into bullshit. Okay, best voice acting. Um, Natsuki Hanai as Shinpei in Summertime Rendering, and Atsumi Tanizaki as Anya in Spy Family. Both make sense. Uh, Supernatural anime. Summertime Rendering. Alright. 
Makes sense. Sports anime, Al Ashi. I could see cool. it. Uh, Slice of Life anime, Bochi the Rock. Excellent choice. Not, not going to be its last. <laughs> uh, sci fi or mecha anime, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I guess that, yeah, that is a, yeah, that is sci fi. I was going to say, that's not a mecha, and then I'm like, oh, wait, I guess it kind of is at the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, romance anime, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, also romantic. Great year for romance anime, but it's kind of a bummer that Kaguya-sama Season 3 really stole a lot of their thunders. Yeah. I get it. I get it, but still. Uh, mystery or psychological anime, Summertime Rendering. Alrighty. Summertime Rendering, also doing very well alongside Bochi. Mm-hmm. Uh, music anime. Bochi the Rock. Okay, that one's kind of unfair. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy anime. Made in the Abyss Season 2. Makes sense. Uh, drama anime. Look at Risk Recoil. Okay. Ooh, hiccups fuck me. <laughs> uh, comedy anime. Bochi the Rock. And it has a very good gag. It had some incredible... T-Pose for Dominance in Blender. God, that one was <laughs> unreal. That was a fucking pop team epic gag. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm so amazed that screen was actually real. Yeah. Alright, action or adventure anime. Chainsaw Man. Makes sense. Yep. Ending theme. Yofukashi no Uta by Creepy Nuts for Call of the Night. Very good song. Yeah, uh, so, um, yeah I mean, when you're, when the song is so good, it is literally what the manga was named after. Yeah. Opening theme. Cheeky Cheeky Bomb Bomb by Queendom for your boy Kong Ming. No complaints. Cheeky Cheeky Bomb Bomb is a fucking banger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good music. Good music. Best in voice cast. Kisoku Band from Bochi the Rock. So basically just best ensemble. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, best in soundtrack. Bochi the Rock. I'm sad it's like a pattern here. I mean, what other soundtrack has a Billboard top chart-topping album? Come on. Mm-hmm. All right, best in sceneries and visuals. Call the Night. Okay. Good pick. Yeah, specifically, uh, art director Norihiko Yokomatsu, compositing director Yuki uh, Tsuchimoto, and color designer Izumi Takizawa. Uh, best in original screenplay, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Makes sense. No yeah, complaints. Uh, Yoshiyuki Usa and Masahiko Atsuka from Trigger, and Bartos Cyborg from CD Projekt Red. God, his name's Cyborg, and he's working on a show called Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I probably mispronounced it. I my uh, is it uh, Polish? Uh, I think they are Polish. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. My uh, my my vernacular is not very good outside of English. I just thought it was funny that his surname could be Cyborg, like Cyborg. Yeah. All right. Best in episode directing and storyboarding. Episode 8 of Bochi the Rock. Bochi the Rock. Bochi chan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Best in character design. Imigu Muru for Licorice Recoil. Those girls are very cute, so that makes sense. Best in animation. Yoshimichi Kamada from Mopsic 103. 
one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, best adapted screenplay: Eruki Yoshida for Bochi the Rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, supporting girl of the year: Hisaru Minakata from Summertime Rendering. Cool, cool. Supporting boy of the year: Tengen Uzui from Demon Slayer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, coupleship of the year. Shiragane and Kaguya from Kaguya-sama Love is World's Romantic. God, I, I'm, I'm slightly salty only because I do think they deserve it, but, but because there's so many, so many fucking good romantic comedies and, like, romantic couples this year that it's like, ah. Yeah. Alright, sure. Yeah. Okay. Girl of the Year. Marin from My Dress Up Darling. Okay, fuck it. My girl Marin gets some recognition. Good for you, babe. Girl, for, good for you. <laughs> All right, boy of the year, Shinpei Ajiro from Summertime Rendering. Neat, neat, neat. Anime movie of the year, SAO, Progress, Prog Rock, Aria, Starless, and Bible Black, whatever. At least read the full title at this point. Come on. I gave you a King Crimson album instead. (laughs) All right. SAO, the movie, Progressive, Aria of Starless Night. I still think Prog Rock Arya of Stars and Bio Black is better, but whatever. And Anime of the Year? Yes, Anime of the Year, Bochi the Rock. Nice. Fucking good for Bochi. Let's be, let's be real, I, I get the feeling that next year when it qualifies, Bochi's going to get a cu- at least a good couple of nods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is the Anime Trending Awards. It's just, you know, a fun thing. Industry people did take notice. Keichiro Saito uh, noticed it, along with uh, many others from uh, Aniplex and the like, and Trigger and so many other people. But because, yeah, it's meant to be a fun little thing. It's a fun thing for a fun niche hobby. That's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that later. And now we will go to the other awards show that needs to get uh, more recognition from Reddit, the r slash anime awards. This, the ones that are differentiated by the public vote winners versus the jury vote winners. Yes, because they understand the assignment. They know that the public might not have the same taste as a, a, a jury panel mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Okay. Oh, there's a couple of consensus picks here. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Again, we're going to start bottom up. Best cast. Public. Bochy the Rock. Jury. Akebi's Sailor Uniform. I believe that there is a good cast in Akebi's Sailor Uniform. I'm too distracted by everything else about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, best comedic character. Public. Hitori Goto from Boshi the Rock. Jury. Miruki Amari from Watcha Primagi. Good for them. Good for them. Best main dramatic character. Public. Shigeo Mob Kageyama from Mob Psycho 100. Jury. Yang Wenli from Legend of Galactic Heroes in Nui Teste. Uh, both good choices. Both good choices, mm-hmm. but very much a you could tell which is a public and which is a jury pick. Yeah. Remember, we're dealing with Reddit people. Okay. Best suspense. Consensus picks Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Wow. Yeah. You know what? 
That makes sense. No complaints. All right. Best slice of life. Public Akebi Sailor uniform. Jury. Aria Zabinedizion. Okay, I kind of love these jury picks just on the grounds that I feel... Like, I'm sure the jury are perfectly good people, but you could definitely tell a couple of these are the very snooty picks. Because this yeah. is a new OVA for for the Aria series that I don't even think is, like, out anywhere else. I- I'm glad they like it. I just, I just find it funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, best romance consensus pick, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, Ultra Romantic. I really like Kaguya, so I just feel... I I really like Kaguya, too, so it's kind of like a bummer that I'm feeling a little salty about it. Yeah. Just because it was such a good year for rom-coms. Yeah. Alright, best drama, public, a sentence of a bookworm, jury, review Starlight the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sure. I love... Okay, no, these jury picks fucking rule. This is great. Alright, best comedy. Consensus pick, both G's are rock. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's just it's just a very funny series. Yep. Best adventure. Public. Mushoku Tensei, Jabba's Reincarnation, OVA. Jury. Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Dai. This one's back- for you, Jed. Jury for having some excellent taste. Okay. Best action. Consensus pick? Chainsaw Man. Yeah, no, no beef there. Chainsaw Man's got some damn good action. Mm hmm. Okay. Best ending. Uh, Both theme song and animation. Interesting distinction. I appreciate that there is a distinction there. Yeah, so it's basically everything combined. Uh, public, Novakashi Noita from Call of the Night. And Jury, I would sing it, but my voice is kind of shot. So, uh, Hawatari Niku Senti from Chainsaw Man Episode 3. It's the uh, Maximum the Hormone song. Yeah, the one and- that goes, <clears throat> Oh, that was, that was Alex, you I'm are sorry. sick. Don't even yeah. try it. I was planning to do this all week, and then I got sick, and I can't because my voice is shot. Yeah, sorry, Either way, it's it is it is definitely the best ED of the Chainsaw Man varieties. So yeah, yeah. Nope. I'm pretty happy with that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Best opening. Public. Kickback from Chainsaw Man. Makes sense. Jury. Jury. Hataka no Yusha from Ranking of Kings. Oh my god, did they pick Naked Hero? Oh my f- Yes! Oh, it's so good! Oh, Naked Hero's so fucking good. It's so fucking incredible, man. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great right. choice. Alright, voice acting. Public. Yoshino Ayama as Hitori Gozo from Boshi the Rock. Jury. Chika and Dai as Chisato from Licorice Recoil. Both really great performances. Mm. Yep. OST. Public. Bochi the Rock. Jury. Chainsaw Man. I would have assumed that would have been the other way around. That's wild. You you can't go wrong either way. They are very good, yeah. Yeah. Alright, cinematography. Public. Chainsaw Man. Jury. 
Autonomy Time Machine Blues. Oh, I love these jury picks. You, it's like you can tell, like, the jury is a very interesting, specific subset of, like... Like, they're probably good people, but you can tell they're a little on the snooty side, because they're on our anime. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the rest of us cool kids who are on our Scott the Waz. Remember when the fucking Jontron subreddit straight up became a Scott the Waz subreddit? That was fun. What a wild... That's how All I right. first learned about him, by the way. <laughs> Alright. Uh, character design. Public, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Jury, do it yourself. Yeah, no, I think Edge Runners is definitely the more mass appeal one, but those are some very good Blorby girls and do it yourself. They're very cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, background art. Public, call the night. Jury, Diamond Recipe for Happiness. Remember what I was saying about Snooby R anime juries? Yeah. <laughs> Diamond, yeah. wow. All right, animation. Public, Bulchy the Rock. Jury, Encouragement of Climb, Next Summit. <laughs> I repeat, I kind of love the juries. <laughs> yeah. Okay, short series of the year. Public, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid S short animation series. All right. Jury, Poketune. Yeah, no, those were pretty good videos. Yeah. yeah. Okay, just quickly go through short film of the year. I don't know what either of these are. Yeah, I- I'm going to pull. Th- I'm going. I'm going to pull this up. Um, short film of the year. Public, let you down. Music video. Which I believe is from Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Okay, I, I I would believe that. Yeah, and uh, Jury Darkroom music video, which is a single from Dios. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. It, um, yeah. Okay. Movie of the year. Public. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, Jury, Review Starlight the Movie. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And Anime of the Year, Public, Bochi the Rock, Jury, Encouragement of Climb, (laughs) Next Summit. (laughs) I love this fucking jury. I love this. I remember when we were talking about the nominations last time, it's like, good for that one guy that really likes Encouragement of Climb. I'm happy for you, buddy. Apparently it was all of them, or at least a big majority. (laughs) What a fucking... I love it. I love it. I love it. I love reading these jury picks because, you know what, it's more of a fair, like, okay, public versus jury, get a fair breakdown. Here's the academy, here's the masses. But I love how snooty and, like, who was voting for these are some of these academy picks. I respect it. I respect it. I make fun of it, but I respect it. Yeah, kind of how that sort of thing should feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, this obviously knows what it wants to be. It's a little bit off the beaten path, but, you know, it's, it's, still, it's still a cool thing. It gives underrepresented shows like Encouragement of Climb and DA Mon and Do It Yourself a bit more respect, I'll say. And then we have 
the Crunchyroll Anime Awards. Uh, 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 and I, I, I think I think, pro- I think I pronounced it wrong, man. I'm pretty sure it's the show that Anime Awards, isn't it? Okay, so... I feel like we kind of keep having a very similar conversation every year. The very similar conversation every year is... The Anime Awards has a has a crisis identity every year. An identity crisis, yes. An identity, yes, I said crisis identity. Identity crisis every year. Where it's effectively... It is trying to be the anime Oscars while simultaneously trying to appeal to the mass anime fans around the world. I, I think to, to actually explain this in great context, we have to establish how we got here first. So this started back in 2017. It's like a combination fun thing plus serious award show presentation. It, it had some jank to it, but overall it was fine. It was a fine thing. People got mad at you very nice winning a lot of things, but I mean, hello, were you paying attention, people? People got mad at Yuri on Ice winning a lot of things. People got mad at My Hero Academia winning a lot of things. And people have still kind of never let that go. No, but as far as the presentation goes, which is what I'm focusing on, not the awards, the presentation. The first couple years were, well, the first year was basically a, a gigantic test market scenario. Two years after that, it was fine. Nothing too out there. It was just this is, the, this is the thing we're doing. It's It was fine. 2020 is where things got really off the rails with the whole uh, corporatization aspect. I get it. You can all go back and listen to those, o- those older shows we did for a much more in-depth recap of that hot mess. And then 2021 happened, and it had Tim Liu in VR chats because uh, everything in the world. And in 2022, last year, they just said, fuck it, we're just going to upload everything to Variety and then just be on a merry way. And that's when I thought they were just pulling the plug on the whole thing. Oh, how wrong I was. They doubled down. And in doing so, brought the show to Tokyo where they did it at 6.30 p.m. local time, so 4.30 a.m. over here on the east coast of the U.S. None of us watched the whole thing, but from what, from what I saw, at least, it had all of the appeal of a really boring corporate office party, which just fits all too well, given everything we've talked about with Crunchyroll as a subsidiary of Sony over the last several months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sucks because you think, you know, they had a big live stage. Clearly, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess they do something a little more serious with it at least, but, uh, yeah. 
Uh, also, uh, I saw a couple of. I saw a few, like, I saw, I saw at least a few voice actors pointed out, but, uh, well, it really is kind of telling they didn't invite any, you know, uh, I didn't invite any U.S. industry people to that thing at all. It, where this feels like it gets the most gross is that this feels like this was meant to impress investors. Is that, like, I don't know. It, it, you could tell this was kind, like, how do I how do I say this? These are always meant to show off to industry bigwigs. That like a award show is always kind of a vanity show off to the industry. But this year feels the most this is just for the industry than it has in a long time, while the actual winners are dictated by the masses. Yeah, it has all the looks of the Oscars, with the actual awards being the equivalent of the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, in a way. And that is why this year, more than any in a long, long time, does the identity of the Anime Awards feel the most at odds with itself? Yeah, in a very big way. In that, in that this is a suit-and-tie event, very fancy, meant to appeal to the production committees and businessmen while having real Hollywood people and influencers presenting awards, while the actual... Awards are decided in a way that, like, a guy that's arguing about power scaling on the internet would have probably been satisfied with. <sighs> so let's just get into it and go over these, shall we? Yeah, may as well. And we're going to go in order as said on ANN because they basically updated it in real time, uh, who was responsible for this? Richard Eisenbees. You drew the short straw here. My God. Maybe this is penance for that stupid Kotaku piece he wrote about SAOD. <laughs> the smartest anime he's ever seen. Oh, some some sins will never be forgotten. Some sins will never be fucking forgotten. Some people may have forgotten, but I haven't. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go into it, shall let's we? Let's begin. We're not going to talk about who we voted for because not all of us did. I especially didn't because who cares at this point? So we're just going to name who was nominated and then go over who won. So the prestigious and truly, this couldn't have happened without it. Must protect at all costs character award. Anya from Spy Family, Boji from Ranking Kings, Kagi from Ranking Kings, Komi from Komi Can't Communicate, Kotaro from Kotaro Lives Alone, and Mara from My Just Up Darling. It went to who else but Anya? Of course. Honestly, one of the winners I'm actually more okay with. That's a Yeah, that's a fair and good choice for this category. Good for you, Anya. Yep. All right. Best opening sequence. 
Cheeky Cheeky Bon Bon, your boy Kong Ming, Mixed Nuts from Spy Family, Naked Hero from Ranking of Kings, The Rumbling from Attack on Titan, This Fire from Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and Zanki Sanka from Demon Slayer. It went to what else? The Rumbling. Okay, uh, I okay, I credit where to The Rumbling is a good song, and had it, you know, had it actually been the final attack on Titan OP, I would have been okay with that, but, uh... You know what? Ahead. I will... I, I'm, I'm going to be salty about some things. I will give the rumbling the benefit of the doubt and say this was the one attack on Titan award. I will eat my sour grapes and say, you know what? That's fine. Sure. I like the song enough. Uh, best ending sequence. Akuma no Ko from Attack on Titan, Comedy from Spy Family, My Heart Has Surrender from Kaguya-sama, Koino Yuke from My Dress Up Darling, Kosha Beriori from Kobe Communicate, and Yofukashino Uta from Call of the Night. It went to Comedy from Spy Family. Hey, that's a good one. I think the opening's better than the ED, but Comedy is a pretty strong ending, too. No complaints there. Okay. Okay, um, I can do a bit of a look up here, just for some added context. Let me go to, uh, come on, Wikipedia, where are you? Here you are. I need to see you. Let's see. Okay, so we're going to look back at past winners of Best VA Performance Japanese so, introduced back in 2019, the best V8 performance Japanese category has gone to Mamoru Miyano, Yuichi Nakamura, okay. Yusuke Kobayashi, okay. Yuki Kaji, okay. and... Oh, I'm all caught up. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So, last year, Yuki Kaji won yeah, this. So, Best V8 performance, we have Atsumi Tanazaki as Anya from Spy Family, Chika and Zai as Shisato in Licorice Recoil, Ferris Ai as Jolene in Jojo Stone Ocean, Mizaki Kuno as Sabata in Irumui in Mate in Abyss, Natsuki Hinai as Tanjiro in Demon Slayer, and Yuki Kaji as Eren in Attack on Titan, and it went to Yuki Kaji for the second year in a row because God hates us. Why was he... Uh, 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 okay, 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 he was nominated because Attack on Titan was nominated in general. But, like, he won last year! He's not the fucking season! He's literally not even in half the season! He won last year! Why was he fucking nominated again? If he was... Okay, okay, look, look, look. I have a personal beef about somebody being nominated for an award in a previous year, getting nominated two years in a row. That's my own personal hang-up. But if they didn't win last year, I can kind of just suck up my sour grapes and deal. Yuki Kachi won for Aaron Yeager last year! This is fucking bullshit! So stupid! He's not even in half the season! Actual garbage! Yeah. Actual fucking insanity bullshit yeah. Actually ridiculous that happened. Literally the worst case scenario for the Japanese Seiyu voice actor winner. 
Like, I would have been pissed if Natsuki Hanai took it, but he didn't fucking win two years in a row. Hmm. Fuck. Well then, best fit performance English. We have Amelie as Baron in My Dress Up Darling, Jeremy Lee as Coastal Runner, Coastal Lives Alone, Natalie Van Sistine as Yor in Spy Family, Sung Won Cho as Kake in Breaking the King, Zach Aguilar as David in Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and Zina Robinson as Gamma 2 in Dragon Ball Super Superhero. This went to Zach Aguilar. Yeah, I know what's good for him, but generally I think this is one of his best performances, so. Uh... I was yeah. honestly genuinely shocked because I thought Zach was great, but I did not think he was going to be the winner out of this compared to like Amelie and Zena Robinson. Like that I'm genuinely very surprised. But in this case, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. There's also a bunch of voice acting performances for a bunch of other languages, but if you wanted to do like a quick rundown I'll, of that. I'll, I'll just go over who won what. So uh, yeah, all uh, in all these other languages in Castilian, uh, we have Jamie Perez de Sevilla as Yuta in Kaisen Zero. Cool. In French, we have Brigitte Le Cordier as Boji in Breaking the Kings. In German, we have Nicolas Tajo as Yuta in Kaisen Zero. Cool. In Portuguese, Nina Carvalho as Anya in Spy Family. Cool. In Spanish, Alejandro Orozco as Guitardo in Demon Slayer. Cool. In Arabic, Amal Hawisha as Gon in Hunter Hunter. I like looking at this because this is my real in like inside look at where stuff is being dubbed in certain regions. And there's a lot of like they're starting to dub Hunter Hunter in Arabic alongside like My Hero Academia, Bleach. And even my dress up fucking darling, wow. Yeah. And in Italian, Elisa Giorgio as Maki in Jujutsu Kaisen. Cool. All good picks. Best drama. Okay, we have 86, part two, distinction Attack on Titan, Cyberpunk Edge Runner, Santana Sansur, Control is Alone, and Mate in Abyss Season 2. Uh, let me just pull up what who won. Uh, I lost my thing. God damn it! Let me see who. Let me see who won uh, this category last year. If I can find it, where are you? Oh, oh, cool! It was Two Year Eternity, an actually really cool show with a very uh, good uh, slate of nominees. Naturally, this year went to Attack on Titan. Did it win last year, too? Uh, no, Two Year Eternity won last year. That's what I just said. Okay, wow. But Attack on Titan did win Anime of the Year last year. Okay, that I feel like I remember. It's... It is good... Drama... Yes. With some... Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna try to say nice things. Credit where it's due... Part 2 of Attack on Titan, the final season, has some really compelling dramatic moments. Some of my favorites in that final arc, including the world's most awkward campfire, which I actually adore. Yeah. I think... 
okay, I said a nice thing about Attack on Titan and that there is good dramatic stuff in it, and I actually like the stuff with Gabi. It was not have been my first choice for best drama, can you tell? Yeah, we can tell. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, best action. We have Attack on Titan, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Stone Ocean, Licorice Recoil, and Spy Family. Yeah. And it went to Demon Slayer. Although I I have a bone to pick with this because last year the first arc of the second season was nominated. This year, the second arc of the second season nominated. That is cheating. Uh, okay, 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 okay. So, yeah. If it hadn't won last year, this would be less irritating, but uh yeah. They did make the whole thing that stuff that premiered in December would be eligible to count. So this is counting in that regards. I do get that. I don't think it being eligible is a problem. I think it winning action for two different arcs is oh, frustrating. Well, I mean, last year's used to Kaisen won, but oh, it, it's it's just a me thing. I'm just annoyed by those very little details. I I think the qualifier is fair. Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, I will at least give it the benefit of the doubt and say that out of like. What was nominated, it probably does have like the best action animation. So I will, I will, I will take my my sour grapes and say, you know what? In this context, it's a fair win. I would have been more annoyed if it did win last year, which it did not. So fair game. All right, best supporting character. This totally legitimate thing that has prestige to it. I, Hayasaka, Rikage, Asama, Love is War, is Romantic, Anya and Spy Family, Kage and Ranking the Kings, Rebecca in Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Tengen, Uzui, and Demon Slayer, and Yor in Spy Family, and this went to Anya. Okay, okay, okay. Half of the characters are not supporting fucking characters, and the winner is not a fucking supporting yeah, that, character! Yeah, that is literally a main character. Anya is a fucking main character. You could argue Yor is maybe more supporting than Lloyd. Anya literally gets more focus most of the time than even Lloyd. Fuck off! Fuck right off. Let's just go into the next one. I'm already looking at it. I'm already boiling. Main character. Again, this... Totally legitimate thing that has a lot of prestige and merit to it. Boji and Ranking the Kings, Chisato and the Chris Recoil, David Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Aaron and Attack on Titan, Lloyd and Spy Family, and Marin and My Dress Up Darling. It naturally goes to the guy who is preparing for mass genocide, Aaron Yeager. He is not even in half. The fucking season. Oh my god. I I feel like at some point Aaron Yeager stops being the main character of Attack and Titan. And it actually gets passed on to like his other allies, arguably Armin Arlert at this point. Ugh. Did he win last year? This category was not a thing last year. Okay, cool. Instead, you had Best Protagonist, which went to Otakawa and Odd Taxi. Though Aaron was nominated for that one, too. 
That that well, that was too oft. That is ironic. Maybe more correct than he. He also won for best antagonist last year as well. Remember that whole spiel we went through last uh, year? Uh, okay, okay, I mean, at least, uh, I mean, at least they credited him accurately. Uh, <sighs> moving on. Moving on. Best new series. Hang in there, voice, we're almost done. Call of the Night, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Licorice Recoil, My Dress Up Darling, Spy Family, and Your Boy Kong Ming. It went to Spy they literally created a category so Attack on Titan couldn't get it. Or Demon Slayer. Hilarious. Yeah. Good God. Uh, I could be picky. Spy Family's good. Spy Family's very popular. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Best original anime. Birdie Wing. Healer Girl. Licorice Recoil. The Orbital Children. Vampire in the Garden. Yuri Deco. It went to Licorice Recoil. Hideo Kojima's favorite it's, anime. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a solid choice. Not the one I would have went for, but it, but it is solid. I will say, uh, boy, it really is kind of uh, interesting. Licorice wants something in the only category of the show to get qualified for. Yeah. Yeah. God, it... I, I, some of these shows it's next to aren't even bad shows, but it, this one, like, oh, it, the rest of these didn't stand a chance. Yeah, okay, best character design. Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Sonotion, My Dress Up Darling, Ranking of Kings, Spy Family, it went to Demon Slayer. <sighs> yeah, okay. It wasn't there last year, at least. Okay, best animation. This one gets everybody riled up. I wonder why. Ugh. Okay, we have a Kebby Sailor uniform, Attack on Titan, Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Ranking of Kings, and Spy Family. And for the second straight year, it goes to Demon Slayer. I mean, uh, I mean, the Kebby's is technically the correct choice, but uh, then I remember what the animation was being used for, and it's like. Uh, I, 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 I guess I'm less upset about this one than I would be otherwise. But it's so I, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm losing my anger and I'm just kind of going to indifference at this point. Yeah, that's how I've been feeling for the last couple years. Best continuing series. Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Jojo, Kaguya-sama, Bait in the Abyss, and One Piece. It went to the only show that's actually been running for more than five years consecutively. One Piece. Throw One Piece above. Yeah, throw One Piece above. Right. I do kind of wish they picked some uh, different stuff for this category, but whatever. Imagine if they put Boruto in it. Nah. Yeah, that would have been funny. Yes, it would have been funny. <laughs> okay, best romance. We have. Straight people only. Uh, I mean, uh, Call of the Night, Kaguya-sama, Come and Can't Communicate, Love Have the World Domination, My Dress Up Darling, and Shikimori's Not Just a Cutie. And it went to Kaguya-sama. Of course. I really don't, like, 
I actually am happy Kaguya-sama won this. I guess I am just salty because I really liked My Dress Up Darling a lot more than I was expecting to. And it got completely shut out. Okay. Uh, oh boy, this one is not so going to upset me. Best fantasy. Oh my god. Uh, this, this whole this whole this whole category is kind of a train wreck. Hell didn't even try. Okay, we have Demon Slayer, Maiden Abyss, Shopless Reincarnation, Overlord, Breaking the Kings, Case Study of Vanitas. Literally all sequels. And it went to Demon Slayer. Uh, okay, you know what? Okay, uh, you know what? Even pretty good these are all sequels. I saw it put it out by Death Two, but uh. Boy, is there is, uh, is there is something that this went to? It went to the only one that is technically not a fantasy series, because uh, as I, uh, do, uh, do you remember uh, Demon Slayer does technically take place in like an actual historical time period. So it's more historical fiction than okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Best comedy we have: Kaguya-sama, Culture Lives Alone, My Dress Up Darling, Spy Family. Uncle from Another World, which that finale should be up any day now on Netflix, and your boy Kongming, Spy Family won it. Okay, before I continue my thoughts, did you know that there's only seven episodes of Uncle from Another World on Netflix right now? Wow, wow it's even worse than I thought. Okay, never mind. I, I like legitimately was having this conversation, and I was like, oh, maybe they're just waiting for the rest of the episodes. It's always like, there's only seven episodes. I'm like, wait, what? There's literally only seven episodes of Uncle from Another World that are up on Netflix right now. They never uploaded the other episodes that when they came out. Yikes. So that really is the best comedy. Anyways, Spy Family. No complaints. It was hysterical. It was a comedy. It was its category to win. No complaints there. Okay. We're almost there. Best score. We have Attack on Titan, Edge Runner, Steven Slayer, Made in Abyss, Spy Family, Your Boy Kong Ming. It was Attack on Titan. Yeah, just one. Yeah. Okay, good news, everybody. The gloves are coming off. Oh boy, here we go. Best anime song. Keep that in mind. Best anime song. Shiki Chiki Bon Bon from your boy Kongming. Comedy from Spy Family. My Nonfiction from Kaguya-sama. New Genesis from One Piece Film Red. Shall We Dance from Shadow's House. And The Rumbling from Attack on Titan. It went to The Rumbling from Attack on Titan. Andrew, go ahead. Yeah. Oh my fucking god. Literally the exact thing I was fucking talking about with this stupid fucking category about how so undefined it is. How they literally let other nominated OPs and EDs into this category when this category should have just been for fucking like insert songs. Yeah, yeah, it should have been for insert songs and it should have went to New Genesis. Like, New, like, the only two that fit here. Under those criteria, okay, is, okay, I'll take special endings too. So, like, my nonfiction was a single ending, and New Genesis was an insert song in a movie. 
The rest of these are OPs and EDs, several of which were already nominated, including The Rumbling, which won Best Opening. I'm fine with it winning Best Opening, but this category is so fucking stupid, poorly defined, and literally the exact thing I thought was going to fucking happen fucking happened. Uh. Rumbling won two awards. Two. Fuck off. Fucking garbage. Fucking stupid fucking poorly defined trash. Get rid of this fucking category next year if you're not going to do it right. Fucking assholes. Okay. Best film. Bubble. Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Inuo. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. One Piece Film Red and The Deer King. They fucked Vel over hard. Yep. And Jujutsu Kaisen Zero win it wins it, which means I am sad that Inuo does not get the respect it deserves. It's getting the respect it deserves by being nominated in better, more accredited award shows. <laughs> yeah, the Golden Globes might not be, but I get the sentiment you're trying you, to go for. Alex, don't argue semantics. You know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Thank God we're almost over. Okay. Best Director Two left. We can do this. Okay. Haruo Sasaki for Demon Slayer. Hiroyuki Imaishi for Edge Runners. Katsuhiro Furuhashi for Spy Family. Shingo Adachi for Licorice Recoil. Yosuke Hatsu for Ranking of Kings. And Yuichiro Hayashi for Attack on Titan. And it went to Haruo Sasaki for Demon Slayer. Uh, boy, uh, really sucks it went to the season where they slowed it way, way down. Ugh. You know, Aishi was right there, guys. What gives? Uh, so, like, I so I'm going to talk about this in a second, but we'll, we'll we'll get to it in a second. Okay, and this leads us to our final awards. Thank fuck, anime of the year: Attack on Titan, Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Licorice Recoil, Ranking of Kings, Spy Family. It went to. We got a curveball. Cyberpunk Edge Okay, Runners. Yeah, uh, yeah, give it a general trend here. I have actually shot Cyberpunk 1. Honestly fucking same? Considering how much Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer and Spy Family 2 were cleaning house in every other category, Edge Runners actually winning kind of took me by surprise. Pleasantly so. It uh, so doesn't tell you how much the rest of these stuff, though. Okay, so, like, I, this is the most elaborate showcase of an award show they've had ever. This anime 2022, even removing the fall 2022 season, which was a big season, there was a huge amount of things that came out this year that were neither nominated or won anything. So the this almost all of the winners of the anime awards this year are another season of Demon Slayer, another season of Attack on Titan, Spy Family, a Jujutsu Kaisen movie, One Piece, Kaguya-sama and Licorice Recoil. That is maybe six or seven things out of the entire year that actually 
won awards in the anime awards. Attack of Titan won six awards. Two of them were just the rumbling. One of them was Yuki Kaji again. One of them was Aaron Yeager, who's not even in half the season. This was bad. Yeah, and the fact that this was a live broadcast from Japan in the wee hours of the morning over here, when this company has been under scrutiny for a very long while about cost-cutting and layoffs, but they can find the money to put all this on. Yeah, this just reeks of corporatization from top to bottom and usually it's not uh, so transparent and on display this year it's so on display it hurts i like i tuned in just in time to see demon slayer win best director and to see edge runners get anime of the year which i was actually surprised at the person who claimed the award was the ceo of trigger because the actual staff that worked on the anime were not in attendance I wanted to repeat that and emphasize that particular element. The CEO of Studio Trigger was there in attendance to accept the award. Nobody else was that actually worked on Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It was pointed out that none of the actors that were nominated were there. I wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the people who actually did work on the animes were not there, but the actual heads of the studios and producers of those projects were the ones invited instead. And the winners were decided like a fucking internet poll. I know they say the fan, the public vote doesn't matter, but the jury votes are not as great either. It felt even more fan voty than it has yeah, I mean, definitely doesn't help that a lot of the uh, more particular jurors kind of jump shift uh, considering uh, recent events. Anyways, I wanted to take a second and list all of the anime that are eligible within the time frame that did not win any awards at this year's Anime Awards. My Dress Up Darling. The case study of Vanitas Part 2. Sabiqui Bisco. Takagi-san Season 3. Akebi's Sailor Uniform. Sasaki and Miyano. Love of Kill. I'm going to cherry pick some of this. I'm not going to read like some of the trashier ones where it's like, of course that didn't win anything. Orient. The Heike Story. Tokyo 24th Ward. Ryman's Club. The Orbital Children, Requiem of the Rose King, Tribe Nine, Shenmue the Animation, and let's move on to Spring. Oh yeah, I forgot, Rising of the Shield Hero was this year, wasn't it? Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie, Komi Can't Communicate Season 2. Summertime Rendering, though that could potentially count next year because of technicalities. Wouldn't surprise me. Tomodachi game. Aharin-san wa Hakarinai. Ya boy Kongming got fucking snubbed. Love After World Domination. Ao Ashi, the Executioner and Her Way of Life. 
dance, 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 who or heroines run the show. Birdie Wing. Healer Girl. Fanfare of Adolescence. Summer. Let's move to summer now. Call of the Night didn't win anything. It got fucking snubbed too. Devil's a Part-Timer. Made in Abyss was completely snubbed for season two. Don Machi season four. Uncle from Another World. The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting got snubbed too. Shadows House season two. Futo P.I. Uh, Tokyo Mew Mew New. All right, yeah, Yuri Deco, Yuri Deco too. I think we got we. I've established my we, point. We we get the picture. That's we, a lot of stuff that came out this year that was really good or had really big followings that got shut out for another year of Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, and Jujutsu Kaisen wins. Yeah. Which you want to talk about something kind of gross. The realization right stuff is now owned by Sony and Crunchyroll. Because there is an award for all of the winners. For, like, the winners of the Anime Awards thing. And realizing everything that's on sale is Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, and Jujutsu Kaisen. Because there's nothing out to buy for Cyberpunk Edge Runners. All the Licorice Recoil stuff is pre-orders for, like, figures right now. Oh, and I guess One Piece 2. So the stuff that's on the sale for the winners of the Anime Awards this year is just Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, and One Piece. Jet was being facetious, but honestly, he's not wrong. This might as well be the fucking Shonen Awards. <sighs> okay. After all of this is now said and done, I have to ask, who is this show for? Because it's, cl- it's clearly not for people like us, but with the way it's presented, the way it is presented, it's clearly not aimed at regular, quote-unquote, mainstream fans either. A I'm going to be compl- real. A big complaint that I'm not done. A, a big complaint Sorry. that I saw levied repeated was that this was done so that people at Crunchyroll can get more of an in with their industry partners in Japan. And they're not wrong with that. Oh, 100%. This felt as corporate as it's ever been. And I'm not sure what there is to like about this. When you can get better, quote-unquote, awards presentations from smaller communities that put in much more fine-tuned work for representation across the board, and not the same shows every single year. They also work to make, like, at least a minimum of 10 nominees per category, while these are kind of, like, deadlocked for six. Yeah. And while I can only speak on behalf of myself, I'm pretty sure a lot of people will agree with this, with this sentiment. I don't care about any of this. I do not care about any of this corporate bullshit. I don't care about some awards presentation that means 
very little to people on the outside. I don't care that Crunchyroll has a TV remote button on televisions that will cost about $3,000 to buy. I don't care that they have concerts and music videos from an in-house partner on their platform. What I care about is the service they're providing just working. What I mean by that, when something just works, it means I can load it up on whatever I have, my computer, my phone, my tablet, my TV, my game console, whatever, and nothing breaks. Crunchyroll has not had that honor in a long time. They just made an update to their platform that allows language options to be accessible through a drop-down menu. Congratulations, guys! You've caught up with platforms from 10 years ago. Mars Girl made a comment waiting for English closed captions to show up because she worked on a lot of those. Where are they? That would actually help me because I have hearing problems and I like to be able to read what I'm hearing as well. I also want a universal app that just works everywhere. This site does not know what they're doing. They've lost the plot. They focus too much on all of this corporate stuff, and they have left the user base out to dry for it. And that really sucks. They could be doing so much more. But why do that? Uh, but Alex, don't you know, Crunchyroll knows how to make fans watch. Clearly they do, which is why... Their fucking app is such a clunk-riddled mess. While the Funimation app still works, and still works just well enough to where I can use it without little, with little issue at all. Drop frames every now and then, but that's probably more on my TV, but it works. I'm going to say something slightly controversial, but honestly, at this point, I think it would hurt less. Just remove the fan vote element completely. Because it's clear at this point who this is for is not the fans. This is for those people in corporate. This is for those people, those business partners, they really want to please and appease over in Japan. Because none of this was actually meant for a majority of their base in the United States because it aired depending on where you're located, at 2 in the morning or 5 in the morning. This was never for us. Okay, let's put it like this. I believe at some point this was for us. Maybe like the first couple of years. But the, the, the identity has always been confused about who they're trying to go for. But this year, I think the reason this one stings as much as it does is because it's so, so transparent. None of this is for us. None of this is for us. This is to guarantee some new business ventures. This is to guarantee some new investors. This is to guarantee some new happy partners so that you could get more co-productions, more influx, yada, yada, yada. And in some ways, it's always been about that. A lot of these fancy shows are always about pleasing those people. But it's never been quite as overt and in your face 
As yeah, this and it sucks because, you know, I mean, I've said this before, but genuinely, I do like the idea of a big, of a big award to celebrate TV stream. I like anime. I, I like anime. I like seeing it taken seriously as a medium. It's cool when, you know, so like, it's cool, it's cool, you know, when stuff gets to be presented on a big stage and stuff. I would generally like to see that. But the way it is currently executed is just, this ain't it. Congratulations to the winners. I'm not going to say all of these are affinities to life, but it's like, it's very disappointing and disheartening. <sighs> and tiring. I'm not really angry anymore, it's just... I feel like we you, we do the song and dance, and I kind of walk away with a different taste in my mouth. Sometimes it's kind of like indifference. Sometimes it's salt. This one's bitter. This one is just bitter. And yeah, I, I think I'm done. I'm fucking done. <sighs> We have chronicled the corporatization of Crunchyroll since almost the very beginning. And we're not going to stop anytime soon. It, 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 just, it just stinks. And, uh, hey, Crunchyroll, if you want to make good with your business partners, do it on your own time. Don't drag us into it. We don't care. Technically, they didn't drag us into it because they made it so people can't watch at normal hours. Ugh. Yeah. What a fucking waste of time this was. I'm I'm honestly kind of glad I didn't watch this one live. Yeah. And they didn't even have any like neat announcements. They announced music videos from Sony, and that was it. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Not great. But we are not going to end things on a dour note. We don't have a whole lot of home video talk, but... We have some home video talk to end the show on. Disco text, May 30th slate. We have a wind named Amnesia, that very weird Madhouse OVA thing. Oh. All of Ultimate Muscle. Yeah. Yep, the live action Golgo 13. Cool. Aim for the Ace of the Movie. And at long last, the second series. Of Kodocha. These are all pretty cool, and I'm glad they're coming out. Yeah, and nice little lineup of shares. Glad some of these long-time releases are finally coming out, and I hope people are very happy and satisfied that these are finally coming out. Mm -hmm. Got a bit of a late addition to the slate here. Discotech has announced that uh, Gunbuster has been pushed back to May 30th, citing a slight delay. We just gotta wait a little bit longer. It's gonna be worth the wait. I promise. I promise, everybody. It's gonna be worth it. Oh, I am wiped. Yeah, how do you think I feel? Uh, you, you go get the fuck to sleep. You've been doing this all So, yeah, I, I don't think we have anything more to say. Crunchyroll, just, just, just get rid of your awards show. Nobody likes it. We, we don't want to deal with it anymore. Fix your fucking applications, why don't you? I don't even want to say don't get rid of it just because I, I'm i almost intrigued by the discussions we have with it every year, but I think this one's just kind of a more It's apathy. It's all it is. Just apathy. Yeah. 
All right, and so ends another round of yelling at Crunchyroll for being stupid. Uh, see, uh, Can't wait to do it again in a month. Uh, today, uh, uh, oh, my friend, you're being way too naive. We'll probably have something new to complain about in a couple of weeks. There's always something on the horizon. What will it be? We will all find out together. But until then, I think that'll do it for this edition because I am sick and I need my rest. So thank you all for listening to this edition of the podcast. Donate. We hope you'll come back next time for probably something stupid. So until then, uh, yeah, just Crunchyroll, just, 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 just go to the corner and think about what you've done. Good night.